0: Visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: Uh, Isaac uh, said over and over in his testimony, uh, don't, don't, don't stop praying for these teenagers, right? And so I, I want to pick up on that tonight and speak to us just for a few minutes on this subject, how to pray, how to pray for our youth, how to pray for our youth. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to join me in John's Gospel, the 17th chapter, John chapter number 17, and uh, we're going to read just just a couple of verses. Now, I I get this, and I'm just going to chat with you tonight. I'm not going to preach. I'm just going to chat with you and share some things with you, and I want you to really open your heart uh, toward this. I I know this. I believe this. uh, I believe we mention people in our prayers, right, you know that, right? We mention people, but I think this—I think it's one thing to mention somebody in prayer, and it's another thing to pray for. <laughs> Take that in for a second. You get, you get, you, do I need to explain that? You know, uh, praying for our young people. So, we pray, God bless, bless these young people as they go to camp, and give them something. You know, give them something that'll change their life. But then the church gives you a specific name and then a picture uh, of that young fella or that young lady, and we ask you to do this. We ask you to pray specifically for that individual, that that young lady or that young man this week. Right? So it's one thing to mention somebody in your prayers, but it's a complete different thing to pray for someone specifically. Uh, There's prayers in the Bible. Wonderful prayers in the Bible. One of my favorite prayers in the Bible is the prayer of Jabez. Did you ever read that prayer? First Chronicles chapter number 4. In verse number 10, the Bible says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou would bless me indeed. Now listen to this. Oh that thou would bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou would keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. That's specific. Uh, Jabez just didn't pray, God, you're a good God, and, and I'm just praying that you would just bless me. And man, he got real specific with it. Are you with me? Uh, and he mentioned some things. In fact, let me encourage you, I'm not sure if you ever prayed the prayer of Jabez before. Have you ever prayed the prayer of Jabez for yourself? It's a great prayer. In fact, maybe one series we'll do, uh, maybe in the fall or winter, when it gets real cold outside, and I can do this from Florida, I think, Um, I can kind of zoom in from there, uh, is the prayer of Jabez. Because sometimes people would think, well, he's saying this, would you bless me? Would you enlarge my coast? Would you keep your hand upon me? Would you keep me from evil? Well, that's rather selfish. But the Bible says God answered that prayer. Right? And God doesn't answer prayers that are prayers that we ask amiss, or prayers that are out of his will. And so when you really... Break down that prayer in those specific requests. You begin to see what Jabez was asking for. Uh, let me just mention one. When he said this, when he said, "Would you enlarge my coast?" You know what he's talking about there. In essence, what he's saying is this: uh, Lord, I, I I I want you to just help me to have more responsibility. When was the last time you asked God to give you more responsibility? Hmm. I'm willing to take on more responsibility. Enlarge my coast. Enlarge my territory. I'll be willing to accept more responsibility. That's a great prayer. And that's a specific prayer. Uh, You read in Ephesians chapter number one, Paul begins to pray for the church in in, in Ephesus. And we won't go down that road because it can get lengthy here tonight. But he begins to pray and, and he asks for several specific things for that church. He doesn't just pray, uh, now God, uh, remember that church over there in Ephesus and bless them real good. Uh-huh. That's mentioning, you know, that church in prayer. But he prayed for that church. And then you come to John chapter 17, and you know what John 17 is? This is the Lord's high priestly prayer. Uh, when you read Matthew's gospel, the sixth chapter, and you read those words, where Jesus said, When you pray, pray like this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus didn't say, When you pray, pray that prayer, nor was that a prayer of Jesus. That is not the Lord's prayer. That is a model prayer, right? He's saying to his disciples, fellows, When you pray, you need to pray like this, you know, address the Father, your Father. My heavenly Father, you know, your will be done on earth. Allow me to, you know, live in according to your will. Mm, but that's not what he told him to pray. In fact, his prayer is mentioned right here, uh, and, and he begins to pray. L- look at chapter 17, verse 1. He said, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, he's beginning to pray. Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. D- specific, you see that? Go down to verse number four. He says, I've I, I glorified thee on the, on, uh, on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now go down to verse number nine. Now he's talking about his disciples. He says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Look at verse number 15. He said, I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the point I'm trying to make is this. It's one thing to mention someone in prayer, but it's another thing to pray for someone. And when you pray for someone, you want to pray for some specific things. Isn't that Right? Uh, There have been people in my life many times over that have come and said to me, preacher, are there some specific things that I can pray for you? And I say, yes, there are. Uh, One of the things, one of the main things I ask you to pray for me all the time is that I might have the power of God upon me. I want to have God's power upon me. I want God's favor upon my life. I want God's blessings upon my life. But here's what I know. I know this. To have His power, to have His favor, and to have His blessings, I need to live in a, in a certain way, right? And so when I ask you to pray that God give me His power, show me His favor, and pour out His blessing upon me, I know this. It's going to have to be by me living according to the Word of God, living within, with inside the circle that He allows me to, li- to live within. Isn't that right? And so, if you ever say, preacher, is there some specific thing that I can pray for you? Yes, indeed. Pray that God pours out His Spirit upon me and and that I walk close to Him, right? But in speaking about these young people, I think there ought to be some specific things that we pray for. Don't you agree? There's a general list, right, that we can pray for everybody, you know? And and for these young people, I'm sure, you know, you you have a little list of some things you think of, but I want to just get a little bit more specific tonight and give you just three things. I can give you a list of things that will take us hours to go through, but let me mention these three things that I think will help our young people to grow to be the people that God would have them to be. You ready for this? Number one, I think we ought to pray that they, each of them, gets a hold of genuine salvation genuine salvation. Uh, Paul spoke to Timothy about some who have a form of godliness. Look at this Bible verse, 2 Timothy 3 and verse number five. He said, having, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He told Timothy, from such, turn away. But the idea there, for me at least, is this. It's, it's one thing to claim salvation. It's another thing to be saved. And what our young people need, what everyone needs, but especially our young people in coming up, is they need to have a genuine understanding of salvation. Are you with me? Uh, feel free to say any, amen anytime you, you want. A genuine understanding uh, of salvation. Uh, you see, it's possible to go through the motions, isn't it? Huh, uh, I, I, I know I'm looking at some of these young people here and, and maybe they haven't lived long enough, but some of us have lived long enough to see people who thought they were saved uh, find out later on in life they really weren't saved. You know, they went through the motions, you know, they made, they made a profession of faith. They prayed a prayer, right? They prayed a prayer, something like this, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, I believe that you're the Savior. I now ask you to be my Savior. Come into my life and save me. You say, Pastor, that prayer will save anybody. Mm, it will if that prayer is prayed with an understanding and with a genuineness. Huh? You said, Pastor, are you trying to shake me up? I don't know. You tell me. If I can shake you up by, by talking about genuine salvation, you better listen real good. Amen because you don't want to find out when it's too late that what you had wasn't what you needed. That'll preach. Amen? And so it's possible to go through the motions. You know, that profession of faith, that trip to the baptismal tank. Well, that certainly solidifies Somebody's salvation, right? I mean, you know, these, these young people got, got baptized. That, that means, no, that doesn't mean, you know, you've heard this saying before, you know, if you're not saved, you go in a sinner and you come out a wet sinner. That water has no saving power at all, it's just the testimony of your salvation. Right? Every time we baptize, we're going to baptize next week. Am I right? So, Brother Tyler, we're getting a tank next week. That water will be filled. We'll be ready to go. Uh, who's getting baptized? Vince? Vincent? No? 21st. Ah, uh, two weeks. A couple weeks. Whatever. We're going to baptize soon. These couple of guys right here are going to get baptized. And so here's what's going to take place. Tyler's going to get in the water. And Vince, you're going to get in with him? All right, Vince is going to get in with him. Tyler is, going to play, Tyler is going to play the Holy Spirit. The water is going to be Jesus, and Vince, you're going to be yourself. And here's what Tyler is going to say, I hope. He's going to say, based upon your testimony, not my testimony, based upon your testimony, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in the newness of life, and so shall you walk, my brother. Based upon your testimony, what are we saying? We're baptizing you because you tell us that you're saved. Are you with me? And what that is a picture of, the Holy Spirit, Tyler playing the Holy Spirit, about by one spirit, all we are baptized into one body, the water being Jesus. This really happened to Vince spiritually speaking. Are you with me? And so some have come along and they've made a profession of faith, and man, they got baptized. And they've been churched. I mean, they come to church all the time. But for some, it just hasn't been genuine, right? I, I remember this. My daughter, Nicole, who is now a little older, in fact, it's Julianne and Sophia's mom. She's our first child. She got saved when she was five years old. Right, Donna, five years old? was. Five years old. Her and I were at a revival service. The preacher was preaching, and we left the uh, row there. She said at the end of the service, the invitation, said, Daddy, I need to get saved. And I said, okay, let's go get saved. And I left the aisle, walked her down here, and we prayed in front of the, uh, the altar there and led her to the Lord, and she prayed that little prayer. Went home, and I said, tell your mama what you did, and she told mom what she did, and man, we were excited. But maybe when she was 13, 14 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood, chapel service at our Christian school, somebody preached chapel, and Man, it just stirred her heart. And she came home that afternoon, after dinner that evening. We were having family uh, devotions, I believe. And Nicole had mentioned to the fact that, you know, I, I just, I, I was really struggling with this thing. You know? And, uh, man, we talked about it a little bit. And then her mother took her up into the bedroom and uh, went through the whole plan of salvation again. And she got the assurance of her salvation. And now she has been a godly young lady for a lot of years. Amen? A pastor's wife. But she had to get it settled once and for all. And so what we need to make sure we pray for these young people is that they have a genuine salvation. Say, preacher, why is that so important? Let me tell you why that's so important. The struggles in life can be traced back to a genuine conversion. There's a lot of people that just struggle with the Christian life. Did Did you ever see people like that? I mean, they're up and they're down. Sometimes they're here, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're in, sometimes they're out. Sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're sad. Why is that? Why is it that some people, man, they get it, and man, they just stay with it. They come to church, you see growth. It's not that they don't have problems, because everybody has problems, correct? We all have struggles. But why is it that some people, I mean, it just, it just defines them, and they just can't seem to make sense of their Christian life? I tell you what sometimes you can trace their difficulties back to their salvation experience well you're not you're not getting happy tonight you're not liking this one little bit but i'm telling you right now i've pastored for a lot of years brother preacher and you know that's true we've pastored a lot of unsaved people through the years we've tried to make them christians you can't be a christian without christ And I'll tell you what, it would be a sad day at the Open Bible Baptist Church if we just allowed anybody just to say they're saved. Boy, we need to make sure we're praying for these young people and that they got that foundation settled because everything is built upon that foundation. So what do we pray for them? I think you ought to pray for every every one of them, that they have a genuine salvation and it becomes real as they get older and as they grow in their Christian experience. Amen? Let me make it a little bit more practical. Number two, I think we ought to pray this. I think we ought to pray for victory over insecurities. Victory over insecurities. Now pay attention to this. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter, did you ever read Romans 7? Great passage of Scripture. You know what's happening? Uh, Paul is sharing his heart in Romans 7. And in one verse he says this. He said, I see another law working we're at in my members. Now, he's not talking about the church he pastored, because he didn't pastor a church. He's talking about his body. And he's saying, I'm seeing something uh, working on the inside, and it's warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So what's Paul doing here? Paul is speaking to us in chapter number 7 about this inward struggle right? You've read it before. He said the things that I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. The things that I should do, I struggle doing. You know, I think if he were here tonight talking in 2022 language, he might say, man, I'm a mess. You know, pray for me. I'm all messed up because I'm just struggling here. And he's talking about this inner battle that's going on in his life. And and I like that when he talks about in my members, and I think he's speaking about this. Catch this word. He's speaking about a weakness within him. A weakness within him. I I don't want to shake you up tonight, but we all have a weakness within us. Amen. We all have we all have a weakness in it within us in our fabric there's something there that just is a weak point I, I like you know it's called sometimes it's called over in the book of hebrews it's called our besetting sin do you, do you, do you read that hebrews chapter number 12 our besetting sin mm, that's just something that we're just pro we have a propensity toward that you know it's a weakness in our life it, it it's our flesh it's the natural man and listen to this often often our insecurities are linked to that weakness pay attention here i appreciate what you said maddie in your testimony about how she was talking with her room counselor and a room counselor said here's what you need to do you need to pray specifically and point out that weakness and then pray specific scripture for that weakness And she mentioned anxiety. Man, that's a, man, you mean to tell me Christians suffer with anxiety? (sighs) Yeah, I know some would say, man, you, you can't be saved and have anxiety. You can't be saved and have depression. Really? Really? You'd be surprised. I think more of us than we like to lead on suffer with some of these things you know, especially young people. And we all have weakness and insecurities. You know, in a teen's life, they're more pronounced. And that's because they've yet to figure out how to overcome these insecurities. And I'm not going to get personal tonight and embarrass anyone, but listen carefully. Insecurities, man, they're a big-ticket item. Huh? Huh? Big, we we uh, Mrs. Janissi and I we raised four kids, and I remember as they would get to certain ages, certain things would reveal themselves. You know, insecurities. We've had three daughters. We raised three daughters, and it's amazing how you know one day they can look in the mirror and they might think like they belong on a magazine, <laughs> and then the next day they say, "I'm the ugliest thing that ever been born. Why did you have me?" Huh? They go to bed at night and everything's good. The next morning they wake up and there's a zit right there. You know? And all the makeup on the makeup table just just won't cover it up. Nobody likes me. I want black hair. I want blonde hair. I want skinny ankles. I want chubby ankles. I want blue eyes. I want black eyes. I don't like you as my parents. We've heard it all you know we've heard it all and so when they would start talking like that we just bring them to the rescue mission leave them there for a week or two and <laughs> straighten them right out insecurities it's part of life huh look here teenagers adults have insecurities we all do we all have in- why because we all have a weakness there's all, there's something in our fabric that's just it's a weakness it's a propensity and every once in a while, those weaknesses reveal themselves in insecurities, insecurities. We need to pray for these young people. Uh, you know, if you think about it, uh, you look at the statistics today, the number, the number of young people who are suffering depression, the number of young people who are uh, suffering with an addiction. Are, are you with me? You live and breathe, right? The, the number of young people that are committing suicide these things need to be talked about oh don't bring them up in church pastor because we don't want our kids to hear them really look here if they don't hear them from the preacher they're going to hear them from somebody who's suffering it and before long they may suffer it themselves we got to talk about this stuff right because there's cures what was the cure well in in that passage of scripture Did I put that verse up there? Flip flip the page, if you would, guys. Look at this. Paul said this, Oh, wretched man that I am. Huh? In other words, he's saying, man, I'm a mess. Uh, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? There's the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What's the victory? Jesus that's the only victory it's like our sister testified you know it's it's recognizing your weakness and then praying purposefully deliberately intelligently for that weakness think about this let me play on that what maddie said you remember matthew chapter number four jesus is being tempted right the temptation of christ he fasted for 40 days comes out from his temptation and who greets him the devil does right and if you remember the story, there's three specific temptations that he uh, rails against Jesus. And pay attention right here. At each specific temptation, Jesus quotes a specific verse of Scripture. He didn't use the same verse for every one. devil said, go ahead and make those stones into bread. Aren't you hungry? And Jesus said, men shall not live by bread alone. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, and then, I mean, three, time, three specific verses of Scripture. And I appreciate what that counselor told you, Maddie, because that was good counsel. And that is this. You need to find out what your insecurity is, what you're struggling with. Find out some Scripture and then pray that Scripture over it. And I'll guarantee you this, the Word of God is more powerful than your weakness. And so, folks, when we begin to pray for these young people, we need to pray for their insecurities. You may not know what their insecurity is. You may not need to know what their insecurity is, but you can know this, they have them. Say, so, preacher, how can I know that? Because you've got them. And if you have them, you know they have them. Pray for their insecurities. Victory over insecurity. And then let me give you one final thought. That is this pray that they have courage to make the right decisions. Pray they have courage to make the right decisions. Joshua, the great man of God who takes up, you know, the mantle from Moses, had to be told by the Lord a few times, and he had to tell the Israelites. Look, look at it. The Lord said to Joshua, "Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest." Pray they have courage courage. Listen carefully. Our young people need courage. It's never been easy growing up. Think about it. I remember being a teenager a few years ago. I remember. I remember this. Can I get personal? You won't hold it against me. We're the deacons here. You won't dock my pay. When I was growing up, uh, I didn't know this then. I didn't find it out until later on in life, but I battled with depression, and I didn't even know it. I had no idea. But there were many times, and I look back as a kid, I was melancholy. And here's the reason why. When I was in third grade, third grade, Powell's a third grader? Nine. Nine. When I was about nine years old, in third grade, one of my classmates died of cancer. Third grade. Now, wait a second. This is not, this is not yesterday. I know, I know in, in the economy in which we live, we hear children getting cancer all the time. But when I was nine, that was, that was 52 years ago. 52 years ago, cancer wasn't as prevalent as it is now, right? Am I telling it the way it is, older people? Huh? And so, I'll never forget this. And guess what the, guess what the kid's name was? Sal. His name was Sal Spano. I haven't seen Sal Spano in 52 years, but I've never forgot his face. And I tell you this story right now like it happened yesterday. Why? Because it had a major impact in my life. Uh, Raji, I didn't realize it when I was in third grade. I didn't realize it at nine years old. I didn't realize it until later on in life that, you know what, that really made an impact in me. Nine years old. Nine years old, I'm a little melancholy. Nah, my parents didn't put me on Prozac or any kind of drugs. I mean, I wasn't walking around like a zombie. I wasn't manic, but, but I was melancholy. And then in fifth grade, in fifth grade, my next door neighbor, my next door neighbor, I, fifth grade, how old were you in fifth grade? Eleven. Eleven. <laughs> you guys were good. I think I was, I think I was 14 in fifth grade. Uh, I was smart, I was really getting through it quick. Now, uh, how old are you again? 11 years old. 11 years old. My, my friend next door, he was in seventh grade. He died of cancer. My next door neighbor, that's just in two years. So in third grade, in fifth grade, are you with me? And then probably at that point in time in my life, the person that I was closest to, I mean, my, just my life was my nanny. She was a great grandmother. She was my great grandmother. And I don't know why, you know, but man, we were just, I mean to tell you, we were just, and I remember her like she was, you know, just, you know, in my life. And she died. And so it appeared like, man, just one, two, three, just one after the other. And here I am as a young person. Are you listening real good? struggling, not even know I'm struggling. I didn't go to my parents and say, hey, Dad, I I think I'm depressed. Uh, Hey, Mom, I think I'm having panic attacks. I didn't know what that was. Hello? But I suffered with it. Look here, growing up has never been easy. Since the beginning of time, since the beginning of time, there has been peer pressure. No? Did you ever read your Bible? Since the beginning of time, there has been bullying. Yeah, yeah. bullying didn't happen in 2019. Bullying's been around for a long, long time. Hello? Somebody have, be honest now. You ever been bullied? Come on. Sure. Where's the adults? You ever been bullied? Help these kids out. You ever been bullied? Sure, peer pressure, bullying, self awareness. That's a killer. Hello? All right? Everybody wants to be taller, thinner, younger, smarter, more handsome, more beautiful. Why? Because we got all these images coming from everywhere. And it just pounds the. The self-image, the self-awareness, the self-consumption, we get consumed with self. It's never been easy growing up. But let me, let me say something to you. It has been elevated to a level of un, just unbelievable through social media. Growing up, when I was in third grade, fifth grade, tenth grade, twelfth grade, college, Early married years, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have tablets. Didn't have laptops. Didn't have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Didn't have Snapchat. Didn't have any of that. And so, look here, Dave, if you're bullying me at school, if you're bullying me at school, when I go home, it ends. Right? Not now. Why? Because now, every time I open up my laptop or my tablet or my cell phone, guess what? You can keep bullying me. Are you listening real good? That happens all the time. Happens all the time. I mean, kids, all the time, they're just, you know, not wanting to leave their bedrooms. They're going through severe depression. They got anxiety through, you know, through the ceiling. They're thinking about killing themselves. Why? Why? Because somebody took a picture of them and put it on social media, and now everybody's got that picture. Help me here. What I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say, these young people, man, we need to pray that God gives them courage. Just, just to get out the door in the morning is difficult. And by the way, I'm not talking about public schools. I'm not talking about the arena. I'm talking about right here, man. I'm talking about our Christian schools. Don't forget this. Again, I'll draw from my own personal testimonies. My daughter, Nicole, graduated high school, went to college. Won't mention where she went or anything like that. Went to college. During her years, Mrs. Genizzi and I, I'll be honest with you, you might think we took courses from prison guards (laughs) in how to keep your kids safe. Because I I just wanted my kids just to... Right? You know what I'm saying, right? I mean, I knew there was a world out there they were going to live in, but while they were, and oh, I just wanted them to be so safe. And so, graduates from our Christian school, got her through, graduate and all that kind of business, goes off to a Christian college, a good college. If I named the name, good college. Her freshman year, not even through the first semester, halfway through the semester, she calls me up. And she's just startled i mean overwhelmed and i said what what in the world is going on she said dad you're not going to believe this she's almost hyperventilating and she said i was going to call you she called me the first thing in the morning so i was going to call you and wake you up what happened she said well about one o'clock this morning one of my one of the girls in the dorm with her this is a christian college good school one of the girls in the dorm with her was was up and nicole was doing some studying and she said to my daughter, Nicole, Nicole, would you, would you come to the, to the bathroom? I need to share something with you. So Nicole, sure, let's go. So Nicole goes to the bathroom with her. Long story short, in the bathroom, one o'clock in the morning, this young lady confesses that she was a part of, adjacent to, privy to, a murder this past summer. Her boyfriend was with some, a gang, a team, or whatever, And somebody was murdered. And she just got word that the authorities are going to come to where she went to college and interview her. And she's telling my daughter, who for 12 years, 13 years, we tried to protect from somebody even cussing. Even if a boy looked at her, man, don't you dare look at my daughter now she goes to college, a Christian's college, and the very first semester, halfway through, somebody, another girl, confessing a murder. I said, what? Are you serious? She said, Dad, I'm... I said, what do I do? What do you do? I was really good friends with Dave Rossiter. You remember Dave, Dave Rossiter? <laughs> I said, you need to get over and see Brother Dave Rossiter right now. You know, bang on his door, wake him up out of bed, I don't care what you got to do. Go see Brother Ross right now, and so she did. And she told Brother Ross, and it became a pretty big situation. And it really did happen. It really did happen. I can tell you more stories like that. I can tell you, Maddie, you're going to go to Pensacola, right? I can tell you about, and you know this preacher because he's related to you. Uh, his daughter went to. <laughs> his daughter went to Pensacola. And in her freshman or sophomore year one of the girls in her dorm room was found to be with child i never used the word p-r-e-g i never used that word in the pulpit i just don't feel good about that word but she was found with child pensacola christian college ain't this young lady grew up in a preacher's home now she wasn't the one that was with child somebody right in her dorm in the same room with child tells the other girls you're not gonna believe this but I just found out that I'm with child so you mean to tell me John stays now that she's graduated man praise the Lord send her off we can stop no now you need to pray even more not because of who she's a great kid and she's gonna do great but we're sending them out into the real world. And they need us to pray for them, man. Look here, look here, look here, look here, look here. This is not a game. This is not a game. We don't play at church. This is the real world we're living in. There's a real devil. There are real people out there trying to eat our lunch, pick our pocket, take our joy, ruin our lives. And they would love to get a hold of these kids. And destroy them we got to be so careful what we tolerate what we allow huh you know what drives me crazy here's what drives me crazy when you have a group that grew up in a fundamental church does nothing but bash the fundamental church but they're reaping all the benefit from growing up in the fundamental church right oh they hate everything about growing up there we hate the music we hate the standards. we hate the preaching we hate the color of the pews we hate everything but now they don't, they don't do drugs. They don't drink. They don't go to certain places. They're trying to raise their kids with. Where do you think you got that from? Now, maybe we were a little bit overboard. Maybe we were a little bit crazy back in the day. I wasn't, but I know Preacher was. <laughs> and maybe we need to balance it out. But man, let's not throw away. Let's not throw away. Let's not throw away what got us to where we are. I'm all for keeping it fresh and relevant. I'm all for being balanced. But I'm not for getting rid of everything. Don't throw out the baby with the wash water. Well, I thought I said I wasn't going to preach tonight. <laughs> I hate when I start to teach and preaching comes out. Man, oh, oh, oh. it was Isaac, it was you. Since you wouldn't preach tonight, you got me all stirred up. You listen real good? Amen. We pray for him. And not only that, now listen to this. These kids are going to make some major decisions. Major decisions. And they don't, they're going to need to have courage. Can I give you just a few? I won't preach them, I promise. Look here, they're going to need to make a decision to keep themselves pure. And by the way, that's not just for girls, it's for guys too. Yeah. Guys too. Guys too. Right? They need to make a decision, they're going to keep themselves pure. It's worth it. It's worth it. Don't, don't sell yourself out. Don't lessen yourself. Don't ruin your testimony. They need courage to make those decisions. Look here. Some girl's going to come over to one of these young guys at college, and she's going to blink, and and she's going to dazzle. And now he's not at home, so dad's not there to wrap him upside his head and say, wake up, boy. Huh? And there's going to be some sweet-talking guy that's going to come, and blah, blah, blah. Pastor, come out, they're going to Christian college. You want more stories? How much time you got? We need to pray they have courage to obey God's will in their lives. We need to pray that they have courage to choose the right friends. That's a difficult one. Huh? Can I help us out here at Open Bible? Can I help us out? My kids were growing up. uh, You you, you know, you got kids growing up here. you got kids in church. And you know what? Every once in a while, I would say to to one of my kids, listen, I don't want you hanging around with so-and-so. And And they would say, but Dad, so-and-so, they're members here. They're they're parents. Teach Sunday school. They're parents. And I said, yes. And that young boy or that young girl, good kids. But when you two are together, you make mud. Did you hear that? And I know that's tough. Look here, if I had a daughter in this place, you know, I would have to come over and say, Tyler, listen, I love you. I think Addie is the greatest young lady in the world, but I can't have my daughter be friends with her because for some reason, when they're together, they're just not good. They make mud. Now, that's tough. He's going to get offended. He's going to think right up front that I'm picking on his daughter. I'm trying to help us. But let me tell you something, there's nobody more responsible for my, my daughter than me. Nobody more responsible for his daughter than him. And don't you think he ought to have a choice? Huh? He's not now if he comes along and says, My daughter can't be with yours because your daughter is just a uh, you know, just a mean spirited, witchy kind of kid, well, I think that he needs to be, I think he needs to be put in his place. <laughs> and if he said that to me, I'd get my wife and I'd say, go talk to Tyler. But don't you agree, don't you agree that sometimes even the, best, even the best kids put together just, huh? I said that to my daughter one time, and, and she had a hard time with it because she was really good friends with this one kid. And then she went to the mission field. She was in 10th grade, went to the mission field. When she came back from the mission field, she went on that old bus from Milford, Ohio, and went to Mexico. That'll change anybody's life. She came back. She was a different young lady. She wasn't the same. You know what she said to me? She said, Dad, I understand completely what you meant, and I promise you, from this day forward, I'll have never, never have a problem with that again. Amen. Amen? And she just went off in life and, and excelled, right? We need, to, we need to pray they have courage to select, to choose the right friends. You always want to select a friend. Young people's going to lift you up, and not pull you down, right. right? And then finally, well, I can give you a few more, but they need to have courage to choose the right college. The right college. Not every college is for every kid, right? And parents, just give them a little bit. They're going to have to endure it. They're going to have to live it, right? As long as it meets your criteria, it may not be the one you choose or you would want. And then courage to choose the right life mate. You don't want to mess up there. Because you only get one chance to do it right. Huh? You know when I, every once in a while I'll have a couple come in my office, pay attention to this, I'm done. I have a couple come in my office and and she'll say something like this, she'll say, Preacher, (laughs) Preacher, he's not the man, he's not the man, he's not the man that I was dating. I said, yeah, uh uh-huh. The guy you were dating was a fraud. (laughs) This is the real him. Now that he's got you, this is the real him. Yeah, you know why? Because he was a fraud. You didn't listen to me back then. You didn't listen to your mother and your father. You thought he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Huh? Choosing the right life, mate. You get one chance to do it right. You say, well, I'll just divorce her and get another. You can. You can. But if you made a mistake the first time, guaranteed you're probably going to make a mistake the second time. Hello? I'm not saying about marriage or divorce or anything like that, so don't get crazy on me. Are you with me? We need to pray for these young people. We need to pray for them. Look, think about this. Somebody prayed for you, and now you can be that somebody that prays for somebody else. Did you ever sing that song somebody prayed for me they had me on their mind they sacrificed their time they got down on their knees and prayed for me I'm so glad that somebody prayed for me you never sang that before and you sang that right no you never sang nobody ever heard that before Whew. I got so much to teach you I don't <laughs> know if I know if I can get it done in a couple of months we got a long way to go Amen. It's important to pray, isn't it? Not just mention, but pray. Right? And not just for our youth. Pray for our leadership. Pray for our church. Right? Pray for preachers across the land, because I'm hearing horror reports of preachers just giving up and quitting. You know, COVID really intensified things that were always there, just magnified it, brought it to another level. Let's pray. Amen? God bless you, church. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the examples and the opportunities that we get to examine your word and, and use your word. I so appreciate the testimony of, of Maddie, how she had said that she's praying specific scriptures when she has specific problems. Lord, that is so biblical. And I would pray we'll take from that tonight that great truth and apply these, these, these uh, lessons Uh, apply these lessons to our daily walk with you, especially when it comes time to pray. Help us to be more specific, especially as we pray for our young people, our teenagers, our youth. God, thank you. Thank you for their testimonies. Thank you for this service. We ask you to help our heart to be encouraged tonight. We pray in Jesus' name and amen. Let's stand together just for a moment.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today.